Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. Just a quick note before we get started. This episode contains disturbing content, including discussions of suicide. Take care while listening. She just would FaceTime me and then just cry and not be able to say why. This is Robin. In the beginning of 2017, Robin started getting strange phone calls from her 24-year-old daughter, Julia. Julia had just started taking a series of personal growth seminars put on by a Los Angeles company called MITT, Mastery and Transformational Training. She couldn't des- I can't describe it, Mom. You have to come out and try it for yourself. I said, why are you crying? Like, why do you seem so upset? And um, she just was like, I don't know, you know, just crying. Just, I was clueless. Robin got more and more worried with each phone call. And then one day, Julia finally said she wanted to quit MITT. And then she just said, I don't want to continue with the program because they want me to now go out and recruit people. And I don't think I want to do it. It's making me really uncomfortable. Robin told Julia that if the seminars weren't working for her, she should stop doing them. It seemed simple. She just cried harder. I couldn't figure it out. Robin didn't understand what had happened to Julia in the seminars, but she knew it was time to get her daughter out. So in April of 2017, Robin flew from Virginia to L.A. to bring Julia home. The plan was to drive all the way to New York City, where Julia could stay with a friend until she figured out her next move. Robin was looking forward to the road trip, But something about Julia seemed off. When we drove back, she was just kind of zombied out in the car. Because Julia wouldn't really talk to me about it during the car trip. She's just like, it was too intense. I can't. When they finally got to New York, Robin dropped Julia off at her friend's apartment and headed back home to Virginia. A week later, Robin woke up at 5 a.m. to a call from a number she didn't recognize. It was the NYPD. They had just pulled Julia out of the East River. She was having a psychotic break. And she just was completely uh, crazy. She just said, "Uh, I've let all these people down at MITT when I said I didn't want to continue. I had a buddy in there and I let him down by leaving. And oh my God, now I've managed to kill everybody with my thoughts. Just call anyone, just look on, on the news. It's all over the news. I'm just like, oh shit. And she was, she was like that for, until they transferred her to NYU Langone Psych Ward. It took Robin months to piece together what had happened to her daughter. Would you say that what happened at MIT caused Julia's breakdown? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely 100% the cause of it. Mm-hmm. 
This is Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. Over these six episodes, I'm investigating the controversial seminars that defined my childhood and the man who created them, a convicted felon turned new age guru named John Hanley. But this isn't just a story about the past. This episode, I'll take you inside a seminar at MITT, the Lightspring spinoff still running Hanley's trainings to this day. You're listening to episode five, The Red-Black Game. The doctor who I was seeing told my mom that he thought I was lying because I had told him, like, I was in this thing that was like a cult. This is Robin's daughter, Julia. She took her first MITT seminar in January of 2017. I remember the red and black game. Interesting. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a classic Lifespring game. It's funny that after 40 years, they're still doing the red-black game. Julia told me she signed up for MITT looking for a little bit more clarity on what she wanted to do with her life. At first, it seemed like MITT might be able to help her with that. But when the trainer led her group through Lifespring's junkyard process, Julia started getting worried. And then they were like, picture your childhood bedroom and who hurt you and like who broke their promises to you. And people started crying and it was disturbing to me because I don't think that the people in the workshop were trained in like trauma resolution or care. On the last day of her seminar, Julia's MITT trainer tried to get everybody to sign up for the next course, the advanced. Julia wasn't sure she wanted to do it, but another participant offered to pay her tuition, all $800. Julia felt like she couldn't turn that down, so a few weeks later, Julia found herself back in the seminar room. The exercises took on a darker, more extreme tone. Um, So one example is the lifeboat exercise where they said, everybody, you're on a ship. The ship is sinking. You have 10 minutes to decide a consensual way for who gets to live and who gets to die. At one point, MITT broke everybody up into groups based on their so-called ego types. They put Julia into a group called the Madonnas, people, mostly women, who the trainer said had body image issues. I was just kind of like, I don't really feel that way. And they kind of looked at me like, sure, like, <laughs> like I was lying. <laughs> to deal with their supposed insecurities, the trainer told Julia's group to put on clothes they'd never be caught dead wearing in public and then dance in front of the whole room. Someone in the group had a panic attack and said she had been sex trafficked and we were all wearing like these skimpy outfits and she did not end up performing with us. But I remember it just being this odd, like, pressure. Julia was spending 10 to 12 straight hours in the seminar room, day after day, and the exercises just kept getting more intense. I remember starting to look up some information online about it, and I think I either started reading about Lifespring or about MITT itself and found people saying, this is a cult, and this is, like, really abusive. Robin remembers Julia calling her right around this time. She said, I'm feeling really woozy and weird because I'm, I'm not really sleeping that much and it's pretty intense. Julia decided she wasn't going to continue on to the third level seminar. She was done, but MITT wasn't done with her. 
I went home and they called me. And at that point, they kept calling me to talk. And I was like, I'm really not sure. I think I'm not wanting to continue. And they were like, well, why not? Well, what else are you going to do? Well, what is your plan? If uh, not now, then when? The seminars had left Julia feeling fragile and exhausted. Now she was getting bombarded by people trying to drag her back in. I was worried that someone who was, like, really committed to MITT coming after me or, like, being like, you didn't respect yourself enough to stay committed or something. But I got very, like, paranoid fears that people would come and try to get me back into it or just try to hurt me for leaving. (laughs) In April of 2017, Julia's mom picked her up from L.A. and drove her to Brooklyn, where she moved into her friend's apartment. It had been weeks since she'd left MITT, but Julia was still terrified that someone from the company might come after her. She stayed up night after night, unable to sleep, and the paranoia kept getting worse. On April 19th, Julia wandered outside in the middle of the night in a daze. She didn't even put on shoes. The paranoia returned, and I was thinking, like, someone will find me or, or, like, someone will get me. (laughs) Um, And... So I walked towards the water, and I was like, maybe I should just swim. And I climbed a fence and walked into the East River. Uh, the cold started to like take over me, and like my mind slowed down. And I remember having this like really intense, like half-conscious experience where I was like, felt like I was like reliving my life in reverse, all the way back to like my birth. That was just horrifying. And then I came to in a, in a hospital at NYU Lutheran in Brooklyn, and a cop had seen me and fished me out and taken me to the psych ward. But yeah, I was there for three weeks, and then I was able to get released, and I went and stayed with my mom in Virginia, but I was still having some fears about the MITT people coming and pursuing me. It took months for Julia to recover, but she's doing better now. Julia studied psychology in college, and over the past few years, she's been taking a closer look at these personal growth seminars to get a better understanding of what happened to her. Alternating these guided relaxation, with air quotes, (laughs) exercises with the social stress exercises over a period of days with restricted sleep and food trains you to be unable to relax. And that puts people in a manic state, even if they've never had a diagnosis or experience of mania before. When I first found out about MITT, I thought I needed to take a seminar, that I needed to go back to where it all began for me. But after talking to Julia, I started having second thoughts. I've been considering going and taking an MITT seminar but, you know, I'm nervous about it. I'm, I'm nervous. Do you think I should go? Um, I think that they should stop doing their trainings. <laughs> if you go, just make sure you have very good support afterwards. And, like, I don't think you should go. <laughs> don't go! <laughs> hey, it's River. So apparently a bunch of LifeSpring people have been listening to the podcast and they hate it. They've been talking about it in a private Facebook group for old seminar graduates. I'm going to read you a post I saw on there. Quote, 
Many grads have private messaged me and asked some version of what can I do about the podcast series Trashing Lifespring. My suggestion is to go to https colon backslash backslash www.apple.com backslash lae backslash apple podcasts. Specifically Apple, even if you use another platform. Apple is where ratings count for the entire podcasting industry. If you don't have the app, just click on open the app, it's free, then go to the upper left-hand corner and search for Good Cult. Listen and rate. You'll have your own opinion, of course, and rate accordingly. Personally, I rated them one star. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. Listen to this guy and go rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult and Apple Podcasts. Unless you're going to give it one star, in which case, don't worry about it. All right, it's time for me to overshare a little bit more. You should be used to it by now. I've been pushing my body pretty hard to get this podcast done. Working through every weekend since probably June or July, not taking care of myself very well. There was a week where my producer Drew and I worked from 9 in the morning straight until 2 a.m., talking on the phone and arguing over every sentence in the scripts line after line until we were both completely burned out. Now, unsurprisingly, I got pretty sick a few weeks ago, but I still had all this work to do. I don't have a doctor, and the idea of going through the process of finding a doctor was the last thing I wanted to do, but then I went on ZocDoc. Now, this is real. This actually happened. I'm not inventing this story for the sake of advertising, I swear. I might be saying it so that my boss will take pity on me and Drew and let us take a really long vacation once this season is done, but that's not the point. The point is that I used ZocDoc to find a doctor, book an appointment, and I handled everything in minutes. So can you. It's easy. If you don't know about ZocDoc, it's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. There are lots of different kinds of doctors and specialists in the world, at least 10, I think, and ZocDoc has them all. You can find the right person for you in a few clicks. Go to ZocDoc.com goodcult and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash goodcult. ZocDoc.com slash goodcult. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So I've been wrestling with making something about my history inside personal growth seminars for a long time before Good Cult came along. There was a book once that I never finished. There was this terrible one-man show idea where I would lead the audience through parts of the seminar in real time. I also had this horror movie screenplay about a fictionalized teen seminar that dissolved into chaos. But I could never get started. You know, not just because they were all terrible ideas, but because every time I'd sit down and stare at a blank piece of paper, I'd get bombarded with all these problems. You know, that it needed to feel real, that it needed to be fair to my parents, that it had to capture the whole truth about something that even I didn't fully understand yet. I couldn't even get started. But when I finally brought some of these issues to my therapist, I had a massive breakthrough about my own creative process and how I can stop focusing on the problems and start finding solutions. It's the reason I finished this podcast you're listening to right now. I, I really mean that. So if you're thinking about starting therapy yourself, give BetterHelp a try. It's a great way to get started. It's affordable and convenient and fully online. All you have to do is fill out a quick survey and BetterHelp will do the rest. Plus, you can switch therapists at any time. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GoodCult today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash good cult. One Friday morning in early July, I walked into a hotel ballroom near LAX for the first day of MITT's basic seminar. It was a big, bland room, 20-foot ceilings, beige walls, a sea of blue-striped carpet, empty except for rows of metal chairs, all lined up in front of a low stage. 
There were 80 chairs, 80 participants, and everyone around me was eager to get started. Um, you know, I'm a pretty, pretty confident and happy person, but I think we can always be more. Yeah. I, I got out of prison like five months ago. I just finished doing 18 years, almost 19 years. My family wanted me to get more in touch with myself. Back in April, my mom had passed away, so I was just destroying myself, drinking, uh, doing cocaine. I have no money because, you know, a couple months ago I blew all my money on drugs. I felt like I re I'm, I'm at a roadblock and I don't know the next move to make in my life and I need something to kind of light that fire under my ass, you know? And I felt like... The participants I talked to wanted clarity on who they really were and help finding the right path forward. It seemed like everyone was looking for pretty much the same thing. Well, almost everyone. My mistress has done, I think she did it when it was all one course, five-day course. This is Spike. Spike was stocky, middle-aged, covered in tattoos. She was also wearing a dog collar around her neck with a silver tag that said, Pet Spike. We hit it off right away. I'm kinky as fuck. I have, I serve a professional dominatrix as a submissive. M MITT changed her life, her mind. And so she wants all her subs to do what she thinks is the greatest gift she ever received. Spike was the only participant I met who'd been sent there by a dominatrix. But ultimately, her path to MITT wasn't much different from anyone else's. She was there because someone she loved recommended it to her. It made me think of something I'd heard from Mark Fisher at the Washington Post about LifeSpring. The people who've, who've just gone through the program are its best salespeople. And Hanley knew that all along, and that's why he designed it as he did. They're designed to get free labor from people acting as salesmen. I didn't have much time to think about that. At 11 a.m., our seminar leader, Rodrigo, bounded up on stage and welcomed us to MITT's basic seminar. Rodrigo was in his late 30s, and he looked a little bit like Bradley Cooper. He told us he first started leading seminars when he was 23. He said he was once the youngest trainer in the world. I've trained over 100,000 people in transformation, and I've been doing this for a really long time. I wasn't allowed to record during my seminar, but I got a chance to interview Rodrigo once it was over. He started the first day with a rundown of the work we were about to do. It sounded a bit like this. I constantly tell people, if your life is working, but you're not achieving what you want, and you have a relationship, but it's not exactly what you were looking for, and you have a career, but, but you're not achieving the, the success that you clearly were born to create, look for a coach. Rodrigo used different terminology than I was used to. What my parents and I have always called personal growth seminars, he called transformational coaching or transformational training. Uh, the, the term transformational coaching has been the term for the type of work that came from LifeSpring. When, you, when someone says I'm a trans transformational coach or this is transformational coaching, that means that they're close to the new wave of what LifeSpring became. For the most part, MITT's basic seminar felt like a condensed three-day version of LifeSpring's old five-day seminar. I sat back and watched Rodrigo lead us through all the classic LifeSpring beats. We did a version of the mom-dad dyad, the junkyard process, the hug line. Rodrigo said one of John Hanley's favorite catchphrases, what you resist persists, twice in 20 minutes. It was like playing LifeSpring bingo. I was trying my best to remain objective. I wanted to observe the seminar, to watch how it worked, in a way I never could when I was younger. And that's what I did. Well, 
until we played the red-black game. My first experience of you was very interesting because it, it had to do with your red-black game. I was like, okay, uh, this is interesting. On Friday night, Rodrigo split the room into two groups for the red-black game. Now, there's a secret to playing the red-black game. If you've played it before and you know the twist, the seminar leader tells you to sit out. Me, I grew up knowing the secret, so I'd always just watch from the sidelines. But Rodrigo didn't care that I'd already played. He told me to join in anyway. And then he explained the rules. Now, the point of the red-black game is to win. The point of the red-black game is to accumulate the maximum number of positive points. Once the game starts, you and the rest of your team go off to a private room and vote on whether to pick red or black. The other team does the same. If both teams pick red, then both teams lose five points. If you both pick black, you both win, but only three points. If you pick black and they pick red, then you win 10 points and they lose 10 points. But if you pick red and they pick black, then you lose 10 points and they get 10 points. Are you with me so far? No, of course you aren't. That's the point. The game is designed to be opaque and confusing and send everybody in the room into a panic, which is exactly what happened to my group. As everyone argued over what color we should choose to beat the other team, I just sat back, listening, watching, analyzing, like I've been doing for the past eight hours. Until suddenly, something came over me. I stood up and I launched into this speech I'd heard seminar leaders give over and over again throughout my life. I said, listen, if we vote black and the other team votes black, both teams get three points, a total of six positive points. If anything else happens, the points cancel each other out. If we win 10, they lose 10. If they win 10, we lose 10. Either way, we end up at zero. The point of the red-black game is to win. And how do you win? You accumulate the maximum number of positive points. The only way to get any positive points is for us to work together. Where do the rules say that this is a competition? Why do you assume the only way to win is for someone else to lose? Is that the world you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where you vote red just to hurt them before they can hurt you? Or do you want to live in a world where we're all voting black? all coming together and realizing that there are no teams, that there's no us versus them. It's just us, all of us, winning, voting black, together. Whew. All right, anyways. Spike was the first one to get on board with my plan. With her help, I rallied the rest of my team. Suddenly, everybody was laughing and cheering, voting black alongside me. After the game, Rodrigo called me out in front of the entire room. I was sure he was going to tell me that I cheated, that I gave away the secret, that I ruined the game for everyone. But instead, he got teary-eyed. He said it was beautiful to watch me play. I met this amazing guy called River that is finally coming into his own and realizing that he has something to give to the world. Because that's what you actually did. Here's the thing. He's right. I'm embarrassed to admit it now, but I loved it. And that was it. For the rest of the seminar, I was fully in. I screamed, I cried, I closed my eyes and sifted through my own junkyard of broken promises and cried some more. I set aside two years of COVID fear and hugged a hundred people one after the other in a hotel room that reeked of sweat. I stopped thinking of Spike and my fellow participants as subjects. They were just people experiencing real, life-changing breakthroughs, and so was I. By the time we got to graduation on Sunday, I was ready to quit my job and dive right back into this world. That night, Spike gave a speech announcing that she was signing up for the advanced course. Everybody pitched in to help her pay for it, including me. So I'm here and I'm going on 
After graduation, I called my dad to tell him about the seminar, but he didn't pick up. So I just started talking to myself and recording it on my phone. Why did I convince myself that this is bad and terrible? All right, it's kind of embarrassing for me to listen back to this now. I sound high, right? But I remember that feeling, and I didn't feel intoxicated. I felt lucid and powerful and free. All I have to do is get another $1,000 together so I can sign up for the advance, and I need to sign up to the advance because I've made such incredible connections with all these people. Julia warned me that these seminars could push people into intense manic states. That's certainly how I sound in the recording. But weeks after I'd taken the seminar and I'd settled back down, I couldn't help but think back on my time at MITT as a positive experience. I loved it. And everyone I talked to after the seminar said they loved it too. MITT made me feel amazing. And that felt terrible. What was I supposed to do with that after I just heard about the experience Julia had there? After I'd spent the past year talking to people about how much these seminars had hurt them, how could this have been so good for me and so bad for David Priddle and Gail Rennick and Artie Barnett? I felt lost. I needed to talk to someone. But I didn't want to talk to my friends or my dad or my therapist. I don't know why, but all I wanted to do was talk to Rodrigo. Something inside me felt like he had the answers I needed. And somehow, he actually did. Today's episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Now, I spend so much time working on these heavily scripted and edited narrative podcasts that the truth is, when I'm trying to actually relax and throw on a podcast when I'm driving to the studio or whatever, I want to listen to something that doesn't sound like good cult at all, you know, something different. I want to listen to a great conversation, you know, a really good interview. And that's exactly what you get on The Jordan Harbinger Show. On my drive this morning, I was listening to Jordan's two interviews with the cult expert Steve Hassan. Now, I read a ton of Hassan's writing while researching Good Cult, and it was fascinating to hear him and Jordan really dig into mind control and groupthink and how cults operate. You can listen to both episodes with Jordan and Steve Hassan, I think. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Their conversations will give you a deeper understanding of a lot of what we're talking about here on Good Cult. Check out that interview and all the other interviews of The Jordan Harbinger Show at jordanharbinger.com slash start. You can't go wrong adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. 
Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you've probably already heard about Cast's new investigative true crime podcast, Lost in Panama. But if you haven't caught up yet, now's the time, because new evidence and testimony has been uncovered in the more recent episodes that's shining a whole new light on the case. The first four episodes of Lost in Panama laid out everything already known about the two young women who went missing, including deep dives into the mysterious photos, the suspicious tour guide, and the remains. But episode five is where the investigation launches into a whole new direction. The Lost in Panama team meets a woman who says that the same men who killed her son are responsible for Chris and Lizanne's deaths. The woman lays out what she believes happened and how the women were abducted and killed. And amazingly, it all adds up. The pieces start to fit together and finally make sense. So as time's running out, the Lost in Panama team takes this major breakthrough and races to push the Panamanian government to admit that there's more going on here than meets the eye. The officials need to reopen the case and take a serious look at this new evidence. So the families affected can finally get closure. But will they do it? If you want to find out, you can listen to all episodes of Lost in Panama right now, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Rodrigo Garcia Platas. I am Mexican. I'm 39 years old. I started as a transformational coach in my 20s. Uh, then I studied educational psychology. I have a master's degree in educational psychology. I have another master's degree in family systemic therapy. And I'm a FIFA certified sports psychologist. And you led my, my MITT seminar. And I led your, your MITT basic seminar. I felt like Rodrigo and I had a lot in common. We were both right around the same age. We both started taking these seminars when we were kids. If I'd never left Oregon, you know, if I'd stayed in the seminars and kept on that path, I might have wound up just like Rodrigo. I could be leading a basic training right now. I asked Rodrigo the question I had been wrestling with ever since I first found out about David Priddle. Why do these seminars help some people and hurt others? It had been difficult for me to find an answer. The people who loved the seminars refused to admit that they could cause any damage at all, and the people who were hurt by them just wrote the seminars off as an evil cult. Rodrigo was the first person I'd met who saw both sides. I see the value on transformation, but I also see its shortcomings. According to Rodrigo, it all comes down to the trainer. Truth is that when they train us, they never give us anything anything. They trained me nine months. They were desperate for a trainer and I was clearly really good at it. And they just threw me at that thing. But I, when I look back at the time when what 23 years old, they put 250 people in front of me and went like, go. I thought that was extremely irresponsible. I really do. The way Rodrigo sees it, not every trainer needs to have multiple master's degrees like he does, but they do need to have a baseline understanding of psychology before they start doing intense inner work on people. If you never want to be a psychologist, that's fine. But there's certain things about psychology that you need to understand. What's a psychotic break? What does it look like? How do you handle it? How do you talk to the family? What, what do you explain to the doctor? Most trainers don't have a real background in psychology. Most of them get started just like Rodrigo did, tossed on stage with a handbook on how to whip a crowd into an emotional frenzy. Finding out you can make hundreds of people scream and cry and share their trauma with a room full of strangers is a powerful feeling. Maybe too powerful. This job is made for you to lose your mind, literally. 
being a trainer, standing in front of hundreds of people every weekend and being adored by them and, and people telling you that you're great and that you saved their life is something that most human psyches are not ready for. But if you don't have your arrogance under check, you won't be able to see all the red flags that are being like <laughs> waved in front of you. And I've seen this a million times. That's what's dangerous. It's the arrogance of the facilitator. As we talked, I thought back to a passage from John Hanley's memoir. You know, John Hanley used to say people go to college and in their freshman year, they have a, you know, an intense breakdown and they commit suicide. And when that happens, do you blame the university? Do you say like, oh, the college is bad. We should shut down colleges. <laughs> That's a very interesting thought experiment with a lot of mental gymnastics. If a university is claiming to make people's lives better and to make them feel better, and then someone commits suicide, try using that logic again. But if you have a company that promises people that they're going to do better and you don't deliver in a big percentage of people and even hurt some of them, time to freaking stop and realize what you're doing. No, you, you either learn to adapt for every type of human being that you have in front of you or stop calling you a trainer. How would a more qualified trainer have dealt with Gail Rennick? Would someone with a background in psychology have noticed David Priddle's warning signs before he left the seminar room that day? Maybe the problem was that a lot of the time, these trainers didn't have any real qualifications. And in LifeSpring, they weren't required to. Rodrigo and I talked about the seminars for hours, about the best way to lead them, about LifeSpring, about John Hanley's legacy. And at one point, Rodrigo mentioned something about Hanley I'd never heard before. He's in Mexico right now, I think, because there's a lot of people in Mexico willing to pay a lot of money to become trainers. Mm. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? I, I have no way to prove this. This is just hearsay because we're in the same community. But if I'm not mistaken, they had an event in the World Trade Center with like 150 people in Mexico City who paid a lot of money to go through a basic that John Hanley was going to do, where John Hanley was not really going to do the basic itself, but actually explain every exercise, and everybody walked out with a piece of paper that said, you're a trainer now. I knew that Hanley was running seminars in Latin America, but I didn't know he was apparently mass certifying seminar leaders. Like one of the reasons transformational industry is destroyed in Mexico is because the amount of people that are certified trainers by God knows who and that are doing trainings in parking lots and trainings in like rooftops in different places and charging 20 bucks to do it when they have no idea what they're doing because all they think is if I scream and people cry, I'm doing my job. That, that's the biggest shortcoming of transformational coaching, that it's not regulated. After our conversation, I started looking into the rumor that Rodrigo had heard about Hanley, that he was running some kind of trainer mill. And it turned out to be true. Hanley had been leading something called the Quantum Trainers Academy down in Mexico. There's a whole section of his website dedicated to it. There are photos of him standing arm in arm with people going through the Trainers Academy and getting certified. But it was hard for me to figure out exactly what getting certified meant. Hanley recorded a video pitching the Academy to potential students. You and I both know there's lots of opportunities to study with different kinds of coaches. And I'd like you to just consider for a minute studying with me. Uh, it's not like I have some superpowers. I don't. But I, what I do have is 50 years of schooling and learning and failing. 
I'd read everything I could find on Hanley's website, but I still didn't have a real grasp on what the Quantum Trainers Academy was. I reached out to someone on the Academy's staff, a woman named Erica, to try and find out a little more. She got back to me right away. She told me that Hanley was about to host another Trainers Academy. In six days. In California. An hour from my house. Erica said she'd be happy to sign me up. All I had to do was send her $7,000. I didn't have $7,000 lying around. If I did, I'd probably spend it on rent or student loans or fixing the giant scratch on the right side of my car, not on John Hanley's Quantum Trainers Academy. I still didn't even really know what it was. But I'd spent the past year investigating Hanley and the seminars he created. Every time I reached out to him, he never got back to me. And now suddenly, here was an opportunity to meet him, face to face. It felt wrong and irresponsible and absolutely terrifying. But a day before the Trainers Academy started, I wired $7,000 to John Hanley's bank account. And then I packed my bags. You've been listening to Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. For the last episode of this season, I'm headed to a hotel outside of Disneyland to join John Hanley's Quantum Trainers Academy and finally meet the man who started it all. Good Cult is written by me, River Donahue, with help from Drew Schwartz. It's executive produced by Colin Thompson and produced by me and Drew with a last-minute assist from Trey Schiltz. Good Cult was edited by Anton Doty and Jordan Cantor and mixed by Anton. The original score was composed by Spencer Fox and Sam Hendricks. Robert Beattie made our cover art and Katie Way fact-checked for us. Legal review by Ted Gertis. Special thanks this episode to my good friend Spike. Good Cult is a cast original production. If you ask me, there's nothing better than laying on the beach. You know, a nice summer day. You got your cooler with you. The water is crisp and cool. Not too cold, you know. No, just, just perfect. And you're sitting there gazing out at the water, just getting lost in it as it sparkles. It's the best feeling in the world. Or, actually, it's the second best feeling in the world. The best feeling in the world is when you rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult and Apple Podcasts. Seriously, give that a try. Trust me, you're going to love it so much better than a day at the beach. Oh, one more thing. If you're familiar with Cast's other investigative podcast, The Opportunist, then you'll have a good sense of what future seasons of Good Cult will look like. I'll be digging into other cult-like groups and telling the stories of people on the inside, like I'm telling my own right now. So, come on, make sure you subscribe so you'll be ready for the next season. I just got to go ahead and make it first, so guess I'll get back to work. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.